Are you a manager who is eager to change the trajectory of your career? I have spent the last 23 years as a Fortune 50 leader learning from other industry leaders how to break free from limiting beliefs and habits. On the Might and Motion podcast, we focus on the four M's, motivation, momentum, mindfulness, and might. We bring you leaders from Fortune companies, doctors, and entrepreneurs. Their stories of living their own might in motion will inspire you to create your own action plan and achieve your goals. Welcome to Might in Motion. Today's episode of Might in Motion is brought to you by Pantheon FM, Fortunes Magnified. Pantheon FM is changing the world through entrepreneurship. In this community, you will find everything you need to create, amplify, and monetize your world-changing business. Join us at pantheon.community forward slash register forward slash LAUA. Today, I am very, very excited to bring to you Nadia Bilchek. She's a sought after moderator. Nadia has hosted events for Coca-Cola, Ted Turner's The Captain Planet Foundation, as well as the International Women in Film Crystal Awards with Alfre Woodard. She has opened the SOS Children's Villages in South Africa with President Nelson Mandela. Nadia is the author of three books, including The Little Book of Big Networking Ideas, Small Changes, Big Impact, Maximize the Power of Your Presence and Leverage the Power of Your Personal Brand, and Own Your Space, the Toolkit for Working Women. I am just so excited to welcome Nadia to my in motion. Thank you so much for joining us. Mariana, it is a pleasure to be with you. So we met many, probably multiple decades ago, it seems like. Um, you were brought in to teach a class at the company that I was working for. And I just distinctly remember how impressed I was with your presence and your message. And people might be wondering like, okay, so she's, she's a presenter, she's a coach. But you have had an amazing career that has just spanned continents um, and you've done a little bit of everything. Can you quickly share with our audience who you are and how you got to where you are right now? So interestingly enough, I began my career in Johannesburg, South Africa, and I was on television there. So I started in television in the early 1990s. So it was interesting because in television in South Africa, Mariana, we didn't have all the streaming channels. So if you were a primetime anchor in South Africa, you were somewhat of a celebrity. So I began my career there. And in 1997, I moved with my family from Johannesburg, South Africa to Atlanta, Georgia in America. And I had to start again. So I was very fortunate because in 1997, I started anchoring for the CNN Airport Network. But simultaneously to anchoring, I had always been teaching and training. And in fact, in South Africa, I'd had the first media and presentation skills training school. So when I came to CNN and I was anchoring for the Airport Network, I was still doing coaching and training simultaneously. And my CNN career has been interesting because I started off at the CNN Airport Network, and then I hosted some shows for CNN International, and then I hosted a weekend show for CNN Domestic, and I worked as an editorial producer in the bookings department. 
at the same time, continued speaking and training. And I always knew that as a woman in television, one probably had a limited, especially being on air, limited lifespan. So I still occasionally work at CNN as an editor or producer. I'm a contractor, but mainly I focus on the speaking and the training and the professional development work. So I've had two simultaneous careers, but both have assisted each other. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure because I have worked with so many of the Fortune 500 companies that you mentioned, and things have changed. So I know like many of the people who are listening today, change is so inevitable, right? You yourself, although you may have been at the same company for a long time, life has changed, the world has changed. So I've had to navigate change and through circumstance, reinvent myself many, many, many times. You know, many people are afraid to reinvent themselves. They're afraid of that, that change. I mean, you, you had a very big physical change, right? Um, from moving from South Africa to Atlanta, Georgia, which obviously there's cultural differences and uh, just everything, right? How or what are maybe some tips that you have for our listeners on being able to accept some change with grace, but also embrace change proactively? Mariana, I wish I knew in 1997 what I'm going to share with you now because I didn't. I didn't. First of all, it was extremely, extremely difficult to go from being a primetime anchor and being a well-known personality mm -hmm. to starting again. So understanding that change happens, it might not happen on the scale it happened to me, but the reality is change happens for everyone, whether you're changing jobs, whether your children leave home, whether you um, leave a partner or change. So just the inevitable of change, as you said, and then how do you deal with it at grace? The first thing is to accept it and accept that one way or another, there's always this rapid change happening. I fought it when I first arrived. I I tried to recreate what I had in South Africa. And I think the first lesson I tell myself is you can't replace what you had exactly. You have to accept that that life is different and now it's a different life to navigate. That's taken me many, many years to do. And like everything else, I think it's a muscle. Once I went through that and, and the thing that saved me and helped me through that enormous change was building relationships. Mm -hmm. And one of the books I wrote was called Own Your Network. And you and I mentioned earlier, we have a mutual friend. Am I allowed to say who it is? Oh yes, she's been on the podcast. Oh, of course, <laughs> Lynn Wong. And Lynn was one of the people, I was actually speaking at Georgia Tech where you were an alum and she was an alum. And she came up to me and said, I really loved your speech. I need to get you in with Home Depot. And it was because of building relationships and nurturing relationships that I was able to navigate the change. But as you said, dealing with change with grace takes just a, a shift of mindset because basically human beings, we don't like change because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And yet it's the very thing that's inevitable. So 
I didn't always handle it with grace. I will tell you, I didn't always. I think as I've got older, I have learned to accept it and learn to not mourn what was, but to move on to the next thing. But that took me many years and many conversations and listening to people who were wiser, who had gone through so much change. Yes, I mean, I, I like how you use the word mourning because you can shrink that time period of mourning or you can just sit in it and wallow and that doesn't really help anybody. You know, I mean, many people have gone through reorganizations, restructuring of companies and are now maybe in a different position than what they had originally intended or working for somebody that they didn't choose, right? Um, and it's amazing how those people that, Maybe, hey, you take that afternoon to be in your be in all your feels, but if you're able to pivot and quickly pivot, how much more amazing the outcome is for everyone. I think you've put that so beautifully. And for anyone who's listening right now who is going through some major change, it's really to be able to say this happens to so, so many people because often when we're going through this change, we feel we're the only ones or, and to say it is, and then to unfreeze. So can I give you an example of this? So COVID happened, you know, March of 2020. And I don't know about you, if you, were you working from the office at the time or you were working from home? I was in the office. Okay. And then told to work from home. Yes. Friday in the office, Monday at home. Okay, so for me, I speak to large amounts of people in person. And when COVID happened, I was actually doing a program for Coca-Cola in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I thought people were really overreacting until I got home and all my programs in Las Vegas, Las, Las Cabos and Los Angeles were all canceled. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment of freezing. In fact, it reminded me of when I first came from South Africa. And I, all those feelings of absolute terror of how am I going to start again arose. And then somebody told me about Zoom and I synced my Outlook and my Zoom and suddenly I had a tool to deal with the change. Yeah. But it's being frozen and feeling helpless because remember when there's amount of change and we go into terror mode, we can go into fight, flight or freeze. I went into freeze mm -hmm. and then I very quickly went, okay, I've been on television all my life. Now it's a webcam, but it took other people to help me. So I'm saying if you're going through enormous change at the moment, are you in fight, flight or freeze? And what is it going to take for you to unfreeze and find the possibilities? You know, Confucius famously says, you know, out of crisis comes opportunity and that you've heard many, many times. How many times have you had a terrible crisis or something go wrong in your life? And that's when you find a remarkable solution and that's when you grow. Well, it's all very well saying that, but when you are frozen, it's very difficult to do that. So it's to, what are the tools I need right now to manage the change and to navigate the change? And that's something, oh my goodness, I wish I would have known in 1997. Well, it's interesting because you said you were in this freeze mode, but you had others around you that helped you make that pivot, which goes back to relationships that yes. you had built over a long period of time. 
you've got to have those people around you that can help see things in a slightly different perspective that can allow you to break free from being frozen. You know, whether you call it your tribal council or your board of directors, it's the people in your life who are so invested in you and your well-being. But, you know, Stephen Covey puts it so well. In order to have the privilege of those people, you need to deposit. Yes. So who are you giving to? So we say famously in networking, being a networker is as much about being a go-giver as it is about being a go-getter. So the people in my life who were going, you can do this. You've been in front of a television camera. A webcam should be easy and help me navigate with people I had invested in. Yes. And so, you know, that's the other thing. How do you prepare yourself for change? Best insurance policy, invest in people, in relationships, have a group of people who have your back. Yes. And I, and I think with new leaders, a lot of times there's a, there's almost a hesitation because they've been an individual contributor and they've they've been the one who does it. And now they have been promoted and they're over people. You have to invest in those people on a consistent basis. And then those people are going to rise up to the occasion to help you when you're a manager, maybe in crisis, right? There's a metric that's not being hit. There's an emergency that happens. Do you find that as you look at really good leaders and you've interviewed a ton of fantastic leaders in your in your career and you've, you've I'm sure, worked for and, and, and been a leader yourself, what is something that's been the most impactful skill that you have seen that really allows a leader to shine? There's two major things as a really great leader. So number one, we know that you have to be able to set standards, but then it's connection. Mm -hmm. Standards and connection. You know, when you think about it, if I had to say to you or me, who comes to mind as being the leaders who have most impacted you personally, who've motivated you to do your best? You very seldom say, oh, the person who was the genius subject matter expert in supply chain and who understood the logistics and no. You say the person who remembered my birthday, the person who saw me as an individual, the person who saw my talent, my potential as leader, the person who recognized my skill. I do this over and over again. I do a, a series called Leadership Presence. And the first question always is, who comes to mind as an individual who has mentored, motivated you and encouraged you to do your best? And while setting high standards does come up, 99% of the adjectives that people are using have to do with real connection. Yes. Their door is always open. So I think you know this as a leader yourself, right? It's something that people come to you for, which is your ability to recognize their potential and talent, but really connect. Yeah, it's amazing when you do that, when you create, when you can become a true servant leader, how much more a team can actually do, right? And that's on the scale of tens of millions of dollars potentially and, you know, a return on investment for a company or, hey, somebody had a major crisis at home and because you've created this environment, everybody else pitches in so that that person can focus on whatever that crisis is and not have to worry about the work side. You know, all of a sudden now you've created a community. I don't really like talking about work being a family, 
Um, I like community as being that that key word because everybody plays a part to make sure that the community functions. I just love how you phrase that. And I know, Mariana, I mean, you are a thought leader in the space and you've been at the same organization for 20? 21. 21 years, you know. So, you know, you've seen leaders come and go. You've been a leader yourself. And just do we, do we really understand how people's minds work and what, what motivates them to do their best? Hmm. Yeah, if you don't know that about your individuals on your team, that's a problem. That's a big problem because everybody is motivated differently. That is, and, and isn't that so true? Everyone's motivated differently, both in terms of personality style. You know, it's interesting because we talk about different generations, of course, and you're experiencing this. And I don't like to stereotype or put all millennials or all Gen Xs or all Gen Zs in the same bucket. But it's really asking people and understanding what motivates them. But one thing across all industries, and I do a lot of speaking and training across industries. Um, last week, I spoke to the American Financial Services Association. And week before that, I spoke to the Institute of Internal Auditors. And I've got an upcoming presentation talking to the Society of Actuaries. Hmm. And I spoke to Home Depot this week and Porsche. And the reality is it doesn't matter what industry, human beings more than anything, want to be seen, want to be recognized, want to be appreciated, want to contribute. And I share this with you, and I do often, is that the Zulu greeting in South Africa is Sawubona. And Sawubona very simply means, I see you. Mm, I and, love that. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, we all want to be seen. And the complexity of doing this in a virtual world. Now, are you working in a hybrid scenario now? You're working home and office. Uh, yes, yes. And some people really are still 100% virtual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, so, so you have to make sure that you're creating environments where if half the team is in person and half the team is virtual, maybe they work in another state. Uh, most of my team works in other states, right? that you are still including people in, you know, the chatter that happens before and after a meeting or that, that everybody can actually hear everyone else. You know, it's, it's important. So, so well put. You know, it's interesting because at the start I do, now we've gone back to in-person, which of course is much more organic. But this morning I did a session which was virtual and it was starting at nine sharp and at about three minutes to nine, people start to get on. Now, in the beginning of COVID, people would get on at 10 minutes before nine or 20, but now people get on your meeting just at the time. But even those three minutes before, I always say don't punish the prompt. So start off with, hi, you know, even if it's where you die, where, you know, where are you joining us from? Oh, so-and-so, what's, you know, what's the weather like? That can be a very superficial, but a conversation where you actually use the time versus, okay, everybody, let's wait till exactly nine o'clock. Or you say, everyone's not here. Let's wait till they get there. No, that's the prime real estate of your meeting. Those moments, you've got a chance to connect and it does take more effort. And I know for you, who's managing a virtual team, 
and in person, but for your virtual people, it's taking a moment and just checking in and saying, Martha, will you wait five minutes after today's meeting? She waits, just wanted to check in with you. How are you? Um, what would you say your biggest challenge is right now? And then Martha can give you her biggest challenge and that can be personal or professional, but she's letting you know what's going on in her world. And that connectivity builds trust. And you know, because you've been doing this remarkable podcast and living it, is that trust, building trust, is the one most important quality of a functioning team. And Patrick Lencioni, in his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, cites lack of trust as the number one reason that teams don't work well together. And where does trust start? It starts with respect. It starts with building connection. So my question to you, and I know you do this, but it's do we do enough of that? Of building trust? It depends on the leader. I mean, yes. I've, I've had the privilege of the individuals that were just phenomenal at building that type of relationship and others that haven't. And you can easily see when somebody doesn't, uh, it's, it becomes a culture killer. A culture killer, right. And, and would you agree that given the uncertainty of the world, I mean, you and I are talking today after a week of unprecedented horror in the world and, and news, right? It's been a particularly different week. And whenever this podcast goes out, the reality is just turn on the news and whether it's what's going on in Israel, whether it's the war in Ukraine, the things that are going on that make our sense of certainty challenged. Yes. And my question to everyone is, are you a proactive influencer, which is what we all try and be as a leader, as an individual, as an independent contributor, or are you a reactive responder? And when I look at the younger self, when I look at my 30-something-year-old self in 1997, and I go, I was just a reactive responder. I was dealing with all this change, and I was feeling like a victim. And it's taken me many years and much wisdom and much self-reflection to go, no, you can be a proactive influencer. And a proactive influencer means when something happens outside of my control, how do I best deal with it? Yes. And how do I accept it? And so people are watching when you do that. That could be your team at work. It could be your family. It could be kids, your spouse, you know, friends. When so you true. become that positive influence, it actually resonates and you start seeing others in your circle take on that same positivity, just like vice versa. If you're constantly the negative person and like the woe is me and everything is everybody else's fault, not mine, you end up surrounding yourself with that similar type of energy. So it's a it's an opportunity and it's, a, it's another muscle. I think you talked about, you know, there's muscles that we all have to work, not just at the gym. This is another muscle that you have to work so that you can create that positive energy around yourself. So true, you know, and again, sometimes, right, Mariana, easier said than done. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, easier said than done. And it's not feeling, you know, there are things right now that are going on that do impact us, mm -hmm. you know. But the question is, and, and I, 
really, Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor and a psychologist and a neurologist, brilliant man. And he said, you know, if you cannot change a situation when we can no longer change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Yes. And in all my work, whether I'm teaching presentation skills or networking or personal branding or the program I taught today was Influencing Without Authority, my work has really been, and believe me, you know, as speakers, we say we teach what we most need to learn. It's certainly been a journey for me, but it's all around what are the skills we can acquire? Where can we control situations? Where we can we control our thinking? Because that is all we have control over. Yes. Another mm -hmm. Victor Frankl quote that I love is between stimulus and response, there lies a pause. And in that pause lies your power to choose. So again, and we are not perfect human beings, we are human. But particularly in the time we're living in now, as leaders, as individuals, as family members, as significant others, as parents, are we being deliberate in how we manage ourselves and our situations? So you've mentioned a lot of classes that you teach. Yes. What is something that you absolutely love to teach others that might be, I don't know, that either you haven't mentioned here or might be a surprise? You know, it's interesting you say that because I love to teach others about confidence in fact, so much so that I did my TED talk on that. It's called Own Your Confidence. And I'll tell you why, because it's the number one question I get asked. Mariana, if I'm in Dallas or Dubai or Durban, whether I'm talking to people at the Home Depot, Porsche, or at Samsung, people always want to know, do you get nervous? So I love to share, and I do it on the TED talk. So I'm going to suggest you watch that. I won't bore you with it now, but just techniques around not being nervous before you give a presentation or you go into a high stakes meeting because I find it's just very liberating for people. Yes. And practice for me, it's about, you know, the practice has always been something right. And, and that's probably because as a small child, I was doing theater. And so, yeah, which is probably not a shock to most people, <laughs> you know, you know, I've been listening to you and your wonderful questions and your ease. And I, can fully understand that you did theater. You're a very interesting combination of someone who went to Georgia Tech and did engineering, correct? Correct. Okay, which by the way, I have a lot of admiration for you. Do I do a lot of work for tech, both with students and alums and the supply chain people at Georgia Tech. And it is a tough environment to get through. So congratulations. So that, so you've got a combination of theater left and right brain. Yes. So I don't, I'm, so that's a hodgepodge up there. But I think because I did that so young, it gave me uh, an edge as I got older on, yes, before you get on any stage, there's a, there's a level of nervousness. I, I, I think everybody has some of those little butterflies or whatever you want to call it. But because I did it so young, I learned how to leverage that to my advantage. That's the pot, that's the energy that I can leverage if you're on a stage or you're talking to your team or you're doing a podcast, right? And um, that's such an advantage, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I encourage my kids, right? To say, hey, you have an opportunity to do a talent show. Well, do it. You're, you're in second grade. You're in third grade. What? It's okay. You get up there and do something or 
speak in front of your class or pray at this event or do whatever the case may be, because it's opening up them into environments that could be um, where you don't have the confidence later on in life. They can now lean on that and say, well, I did it then. I can do it now. Now, how old are your kids? Um, So I have one that is seven and another one that is nine. And oh, how lovely. That's those, uh, I, I think what you're teaching is marvelous because what I see when I'm doing a class or presentation skills class or personal branding or whatever, and suddenly people go, aha, this doesn't need to be so torturous for me. That gives me immense pleasure. Yes, it's, it's awesome. Now, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to ask my last question, which is, Nadia, if you could go back and talk to yourself 10 years ago, what advice would you have given yourself? knowing what you know now. I'm going to tweak your uh, question slightly and say, if I could go back to the Nadia in 1997 who moved from South Africa to Atlanta, from Johannesburg to Atlanta, what I would say to that Nadia is, you're going to be okay. And that change can help you grow. It really can. And that what you're going through and the ability to move countries and continents and it's going to teach you things and broaden your horizons and make you a more interesting more empathetic person and i would just say to that person really enjoy the process instead of finding it so excruciating because i will tell you when i first moved and i was dealing with that mammoth change it was so difficult. I couldn't see that change can be wonderful and change can help you grow. Yes. Because I was so in the moment and I was so focused on the loss of life that I knew that I didn't fully appreciate the life. And I do now, but you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. (laughs) This has been a phenomenal chat and I know I've gotten a ton out of it. If people are like, man, I really want to learn more about the classes that you teach, bring you into their organizations or get your books, directing them to your website, NadiaSpeaks.com. Is that the best way for people to connect with you? Absolutely. NadiaSpeaks.com. Love to hear from you. And I do one-on-one coaching, presentation skills coaching. I've been doing a lot of coaching around just leadership presence and just allowing yourself to be a more assertive leader. And then classes on presentation skills and personal branding and networking and influencing available on my website. And what's lovely, Mariana, is I do customize everything. So if an organization says, okay, I want you to do X, I find out what are the challenges specifically they're dealing with and then customize that program for them. And what's wonderful is that I can do these programs virtually or in person, half day or full day, or even a keynote. So I've been very privileged to find a way of just sharing some of this information And I like to say the key is if we're looking at teams being more productive and we're looking at leaders who create more collaborative teams, it does start with you. Yes, I love this. I, you know, I can speak as somebody who has personally attended some of your sessions. It has stuck with me. Your message has stuck with me. And it's probably been, gosh, 
maybe 15 years ago. Like I, it's been a, a minute, right? And but it still has stuck with me. And I, I want to just tell you, your message resonates with people. It continues to journey with them as they grow within their careers. And I, I'm just, it's been amazing to talk with you again. This has been really, really cool. Mariana, coming from you, who is such an accomplished leader, individual, and really excited about your podcast. And what I appreciate about you is how much you want to help and mentor others. So thank you. No, I took down some notes. So you probably saw me scribbling. I'm old school. I love a good pen and paper. Um, and I wrote down some notes that I just want to recap nuggets for the audience. So one is, you know, accept change. You can't replace what you had it can be a muscle to allow you to learn and grow through that change. Relationships are key. They're key for you to be a successful leader. So you mentioned two big skills, one being able to set the standard, but two, creating a connection. And you mentioned the greeting in South Africa translates to I see you. So how are you seeing your team, the people around you to create those relationships? Um, there's a quote you mentioned that between stimulus and response, there's a pause. So are you leveraging that pause to think about what a response should be? And, um, you know, go out there, tune into the TEDx about confidence, because that is key. Everybody always wants to figure out how can they be more confident in their day to day life, but also being on a stage. And your advice to yourself back to 1997 self was you're going to be OK. Change can help you grow. So I know that's a message somebody listening needs to hear today. I really, I really appreciate the time that you gave us, Nadia. This has been a very special uh, recording for me. And uh, I really thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.